Antum Security Lab Podcast. Passwords, are they still relevant? If not passwords, what can we use? Uh, I can use my eye, my thumb, my toes. Well, it really, really depends. Um, passwords, I don't know. To be honest, it's been like donkey years. We've been using passwords. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like I can't remember a time where I've never used a password. Probably when, when I was using Microsoft DOS 3.3, I don't need a password. I just plug in the disk, boot up, and the system boots. But I guess from uh, Windows NT onwards, we started having passwords, 3.13, 3.11 for work groups, I think. Uh, we started having passwords. My God, wow, that's way, 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 way long ago. <laughs> it's just too long for memory. Yeah, but, but they've been around for some time, haven't they? Yes, they have. But if you look at a lot of studies that has been conducted in the past, um, they have consistently outlined that users tend to share their passwords and they tend to reuse their password. And one main reason is because sometimes it's just be- it's too difficult to remember different passwords were different. And then using password managers is recommended as one of the options. But can I trust the password managers? Well, that's a tricky one. For me, I would say it's a, it's a good tool to use. Having a password manager in place is definitely a good way to go. Um, you know, you have a single um, single tool that manages all your credentials and everything. But again, it's also a single point of failure. You have your tool that's compromised. That means technically everything else, you know, is compromised also. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, it's good to have, but you have to be really careful in terms of how you manage your, your master credential or your master password for this particular tool. I'm going to throw the conversation to a different spin. Would it be secure for you to write down your password and keep it in your wallet? No, because I may lose my wallet and then that's it. Isn't your money as more valuable <laughs> at this point of time? Yeah, but there's more to lose with the password because my password may hold the key to millions more. <laughs> Hello, your credit card is there. Huh? Your debit card is there. Everything is there. Your IC is there. You know, practically your whole life is in your wallet and you're telling me that you're more concerned about that. Because you don't know how many online services I have. <laughs> you end up carrying a small booklet, right? But that's an interesting question. For the longest time, a lot of people have vilified against using a password booklet. Why? Anyone has any idea why you're not supposed to write down your, your passwords and, and keep it somewhere safe? I might also lose the booklet. Or if I have a lot of services, I end up writing a long list of passwords and then I have to find ways to remember which is which. Prof, at this rate, you're going to lose yourself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but that's it. You see, the, the challenge that I always find with security is we, I don't know, as an industry, I think we tend to preach things that are a bit out of the norm for an average user. I've seen people write and keep passwords in their wallet. And when I ask them why, they say, you know what? My wallet is the safest thing. It's always with me. No one's going to touch it. And I will not allow anyone to even open my wallet. Because number one, my money is there. 
And, you know, that's the one thing that everyone would really safeguard. You put a safe, you put your money in the safe, you lock it, you keep it deep inside the house. You don't leave your safe in the hall where everyone can walk by. And so in that instance, I mean, I don't know, just very simply thinking, if I can't remember my passwords or if I don't know what my password is, I pretty much lose access to that particular service. But of course, I always have the option of recovering it. Uh, I know some people, they don't remember their password. They always create something unique. And when they want to get into the service, forget password, I change. And it works, right? It's very simple. I don't know. I'm probably looking at uh, the average user and the kind of trouble he or she is having managing all these services. I mean, today at an average... When I looked at the entries of my password manager, I realized that I had more than 100 services. And some of it have multiples. So I'm sure the average user would have at least a minimum of 10. Email, whatever other services you may have. You know, you might want to have access to your utility company bills so that you get them on your phone so that you can make payment on your mobile app. I don't know. There's just so many options there. You know, I have a question. I've got, I've got so many questions about how this password manager works. But then you also brought up the, the, the question about would you carry a physical book that, has, that kept your password? I think I would. First, I'll have that password manager and all my, all my other online services passwords will be in that password manager. But the password to that password manager will be in that book. True. The password manager which you described earlier so sounds intriguing. But if I have three devices, does that mean I have three different password managers on this each on each device? The one that I use allows me to synchronize passwords across different devices. So for example, I have a laptop, I have an iPad, and I have a phone. So depending on the kind of solution, you can actually synchronize the password. So whatever passwords you have kept on your iPad will be synchronized. You'll have the same set of passwords on your laptop, and you'll also have the same set of passwords on your mobile. These kind of application also allows integration into the system. So for example, if I visit uh, mail.google.com, it's going to autofill the username and password and allows me to log in seamlessly. So which means that I don't even have to sit down and type it out or copy and paste it. A lot of these integrations have happened, which makes it much easier for you to use uh, these password managers. So there's two types of password managers. One is online and one is offline. Online password managers are where all these data files are synced real time, which means there's a connection to the server. They probably do some audits to tell you that, look, we have no access to your data. It goes through 1,000 rounds of PKBF uh, encryption, hardening, so that they won't have access to the data. You just pay a subscription fee because you're going you're gonna to use their services to synchronize your passwords across devices. Another type of password manager is where it's offline, which means it's an app on your device. You create a file, you store all your passwords in the file, and when you need to use the password, you copy-paste it into the relevant fields and you click Submit. The only problem with these kind of offline passwords is that the synchronization is not that good. You have to put it somewhere in a server where that's online and then you need to have access into all your devices to pull and synchronize that file so that you're able to get all the passwords across all of your devices. 
Uh, something of lately, a lot of organizations are sort of moving towards is passwordless biometrics and things like this. Keeping this in mind, like, you know, if you have to get into biometrics, which is a much better alternative compared to password, what are your thoughts on it, especially when it comes to, you know, security and the costs implications with it? Because definitely biometrics is expensive, right? You need to have hardware in place. Each hardware has its own life cycle and things like this. So, you know, when you when you consider biometrics in the larger scheme of things, password seems to me much better because it's free. People are used to it. What are your thoughts on it? Passwords are still a mechanism that has the least amount of friction. If you look at a lot of systems, they are always built with all this uh, biometrics, but eventually it will default back either to a password or a PIN simply because the users need a mechanism for them to recover. No doubt, biometrics are good, but then, you know, is it practical? And beyond more of cost is, what about the safety aspect of having biometrics? I was part of uh, a team that was responsible in building a data center in a region where it's very volatile, meaning that there's war, People can launch uh, rocket propelled grenade RPGs across hills into your data center. So we had to put a lot of safety requirements into how we build the data center. We had to make sure we had pools so that there's highly likely chances of RPGs getting into the water bodies. We also looked at the option of biometrics and we realized that if there's a group of attackers that comes in, and once immediate access to your data center. And if they see that they need your eyeballs or your fingerprint, I think you can guess what's going to happen. Enjoying the show so far? Subscribe now so that you don't miss out on the latest episode. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. Visit podcast.securitylaw.asia to get the links to subscribe. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, there's this famous legend in Malaysia where someone got their thumbprint chopped off for challenging the attackers because he had bought this brand new car that only can be opened with his thumbprint. So the poor sod had to lose his thumb uh, and uh, the attackers went away with the car. So if you ask me, given a choice, I would stick to an access card, <laughs> not lose my thumb or an eyeball in the process. Thank you very much. There's, there's also this uh, organization called FIDO. If I remember correctly, they, are, they want to develop something whereby we do not rely on passwords only. How it works, okay, now I'm at the website, okay. I'm just going to read this here. The FIDO protocols use standard public key cryptography techniques to provide stronger authentication. During registration with an online service, the user's client device creates a new pair. It retains the private key and registers the public key with the online service. So it's uh, not just relying on passwords. There's very much... There's also uh, mobile, mobile devices involved as well. I think Doc is showing it to us right now on the screen, but we can't because, okay, it's not very clear, but it looks like a card. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So could, could that replace cost, uh, passwords? Is it enough? Oh, so basically just hardware tokens. So you probably won't see what I'm doing offline with my colleagues. I'm actually showing them uh, a Yubico Yubi key. 
essentially it's a hardware token that allows you to securely sign on to devices. The keys are generated in the device and the public key is stored in whichever public services that you subscribe to. So without this key, you can't gain access into any of the services that actually use it. Quite a lot of organizations have started adopting it. Google, you can secure your Google account with these devices. There are some even domain providers like Gandhi that uses this. So the benefit is that this provides a physical token or a physical device that allows to say that, hey, I am the person who can and use this service. And this is used in tandem with knowing the username and sometimes used together with passwords. That sounds great, but it also sounds expensive, yeah, and not uh, readily available for the average consumer. Would that be correct? You can buy it off Amazon and any of the online retailers. I think today they have it. The only thing is whether would you want to spend that amount of money and get a physical token. It's the same argument as whether do I have a physical Bitcoin ledger or do I just have a password that protects my wallet? I think for now, I will stick to password managers. And Doc, I will use the one you are using because you are the cybersecurity expert. So if you say yes, then I will follow. <laughs> and uh, if there are any, any if there are no further questions... The one that I'm using is a paid service. It's just that I like the features and the functionalities. So for me, it makes more sense to have that because I, I, I do a lot of stuff with it. So mm. Okay, fair enough. I have one question. A lot of the users who are falling victims to breaches, you know, password stuff like that, they are the general public. How many of them are at the level where they can explore this kind of technology to keep themselves safe? The technology is there. I guess it's just a matter of mm. personal choice. For me, I do 80 to 90% of my stuff online, which means that I need this. It's something that's important to me. I spend 90% of my expenditure online. I purchase stuff online, books, equipment, devices, everything online. So for me, these things make a difference when I want to transact online because it gives me the sense of comfort to say that it relies on this. Barring there's no vulnerability on the server itself, as long as I've done whatever I could to protect myself, I guess that's kind of good for me from a risk perspective. You know, I would like to share uh, because being a media person, I get invited to events, right? So one recent one was um, organized by Telenor because they have this annual thing where they release trends which they observe for the coming year. So for 2021, from usually 10 trends, they, they, they narrowed it down to five. And one of them was actually the password panic, whereby um, the, the, the study actually observed that uh, employees were losing productivity because of passwords, trying having to remember them making sure it's secure and so on and so forth. So it's even to the point where organizations realize that the, the need to, to, to remember passwords and make sure they are secure uh, is actually costing them productivity. Yeah, the outcome of that is they realize they need to do something about it. So maybe the password manager that Doc, you mentioned, you talked about could be the answer to that. Or if there is anything else, I would love to explore it. There's two parts to the problem. 
The first one is organizational requirements of constantly changing passwords. So if you go to any mature organizations, they would say, I have to change my password within 30 days, 60 days, 120 days, depending on the risk appetite of that particular organization. If you looked at a statement that was released by Microsoft, it is no longer plausible or even palatable to change passwords too often. Microsoft has already released that a long time ago. I believe it was like what, at least eight years ago where they say that why do you change your passwords too often? You should start looking at supplementing authentication. Maybe use a two-factor authentication, use a token, use a digital certificate, identify the risks related to the systems that you're using and secure it accordingly. If a system doesn't need to be highly secure, you might say, okay, a username and a password of a maximum of 2048 characters is good enough. If a system is slightly secure, use two-factor authentication. I run my own personal systems. I have two-factor authentications enabled in all of it. So today, the technology is there to enable two-factor very easily. The only problem I have with that is when I open my two-factor authentication app, I now have to scroll down and find out which one because each will give me a different code. So I can't enter the two-factor token for app A into app B. It doesn't work. So that's the only thing. And sometimes I may have similar service. So for example, I use Amazon Cloud Services. I'm also an Amazon customer. I have two-factor enabled in both. So guess what happened? I always get confused. Am I on the two-factor for my Amazon console or am I on the two-factor for my Amazon user account so that I can buy my stuff? I guess that's the kind of pros and cons, but two-factor should be the way to go. So if your password gets compromised, two-factor will be there to ensure that you don't get a breach because anyway, you'll get challenged with a two-factor request. Thanks for joining us this week on Security Lab. Make sure to visit our website at securitylab.asia where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show.